You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. We have another preview episode for you on this Wednesday afternoon. Got Aaron Gershon from the Cats Paws, our 247 side with the Kentucky Wildcats. Get ready to preview what makes for a very interesting game on Saturday night in Sanford Stadium. 7 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff, number one Georgia, number 20 Kentucky. Uh, probably will have a lot to say in who winds up representing the East in Atlanta by the time we get to December. Uh, Aaron, how is this week going for you as you get ready? We were talking before we started recording. Uh, you getting ready for your first trip to Athens. Yeah. But, uh, what has the week been like for you so far? Well, first football game at Athens. I've been, I was at the Kentucky Georgia basketball game that uh, Georgia obviously won in February, and I've been to Athens. I think this is my third time, but regardless, I'm really excited uh, to experience Sanford for the first time. And I think. Uh, this should be a lot of fun. I know you guys are, have been playing at 3.30 a lot <laughs> the last couple of years, uh, so there haven't been that too many conference night games, so I'm sure it's going to be an incredible atmosphere. And, you know, I think at this point in the season, the two best – I mean, Georgia is still the team to beat in the SEC, but these are the two best teams uh, in the SEC East right now, so it should be a lot of fun. No doubt about it, and I think it will make for a very interesting atmosphere, probably a fun one to uh, be at on Saturday night. Um, Aaron, let's dive in with this Kentucky team. Both these teams come into this game undefeated, 5-0. and uh, What do you feel like you know about this Kentucky team at this point in the season, and what's sort of the energy been like around the program knowing that they're undefeated and they got a big game ahead of them this weekend? Well, I'd say we know a lot more about the defense uh, still than there's still some things on offense to question, but defensively, man, I mean, this is – I, I kind of – I've talked about it, but they – under Mark Stoops, you don't really have to worry about defense. They're usually pretty good on that side of the ball. Uh, that's his bread and butter. And Brad White is one of the better defensive coordinators in the country. But this year, the depth they have, specifically in the front seven with the defensive line, the outside backers, and then their two inside linebackers is as good as I could remember here at Kentucky. I mean, they have so many different guys chipping in. It all starts, you know, in the middle with Trevin Wallace. Uh, and D.R. Jackson, both guys from the state of Georgia who have just been playing outstanding football so far this season, especially Wallace, who has four sacks from that inside backer position. He's extremely fast uh, downhill. And then D.R. Jackson has been steady uh, as it can get. And I thought he had his best game of the season last week, even had a sack uh, coming off the edge. And then up front, Deion Walker is obviously the guy that everyone highlights because he's 6'6", 348. He kind of looks like Jordan Davis, a guy uh, pretty well known to you guys down there in Athens. And uh, 
he's gotten some comparisons to him just from NFL guys. And uh, <laughs> I, la- I laugh because they had a play last week against Florida um, where they dropped Walker back into coverage and he lays out the tight end. Uh, they tip the ball into the air and they pick it off. I mean, that, that was just ridiculous. But they have a lot of guys on the defensive front uh, that are making an impact. Obviously, Walker, guys like Darian Henry Young, J.J. Weaver. So um, it's been it's been very, very um good play on that defensive front. I think they're the number one rushing defense in the SEC. First time in school history, they haven't allowed 100 rushing yards five games into a season. So uh, defensively, you know they're going to be pretty stout, and they've been better than expected in the secondary, which is another thing you can't really doubt with Mark Stoops because he is a defensive backs coach by trait, uh, going back to his time with Miami and some other stops. So um, Maxwell Harrison has three interceptions at corner. Andrew Phillips has been solid. So they, they've been prone to allowing some catches, but they've mostly kept it in front of them. And then on the offensive side of the ball, uh, the offensive line played outstanding last week, and they've been better all year. I mean, last year when we were having this conversation uh, going into the game in Lexington, I was telling you how bad the offensive line was, and they ended up giving up uh, 47 sacks, which was the most uh, among most in the SEC, fifth most in the country. Uh, this year they've allowed four, which is tied with Georgia for the least. So uh, they've been a lot better in pass protection and the run blocking. They were struggling a little bit with movement going into that Florida game, and there were some questions about how they would handle Florida's defensive line, uh, given Florida, like Kentucky, going into that game, I think they were the second best run defense behind UK, and the, the offensive line just dominated. So um, they kind of – I think they were going to open the bag a little bit offensively last week. And then they just said, all right, Ray Davis is running over people. We're just going to run the ball. That's why Devin Leary uh, only threw the ball 19 times. And in the passing game, they've had good moments and they've had bad moments like last week. It's kind of been up and down. So that's probably the biggest question mark with this team. But overall, uh, they're 5-0 for a reason. I know George has kind of heard the same thing with the strength of schedule. And there's no doubt uh, Kentucky hasn't played the best schedule in America so far. Uh, but I think they've done things that will translate against good opponents. It's very simple sometimes when it comes to, like you said, that Florida matchup. Uh, if Ray Davis is just running over people, you should probably keep just give the ball. Him. Exactly. I mean, I, I really do think they were going to be pretty balanced and they wanted to get their passing game. Uh, they had a good day passing for the most part against Vanderbilt the week before. And I think they wanted to just keep balancing it. But the, literally the first play of the game, Ray Davis runs over somebody. Uh, then I think I don't know how many combined yards he had on his first three runs. I know it was over 60. And it was just like, OK, uh, we're going to run the damn ball all day. And that's what they did. I want to ask you about this offense and <laughs> getting Liam Cohen back because yeah. when you know you mentioned we had this conversation last year I mean Aaron you already tell me like yeah they're gonna get rid of their offensive quarter like it was clear by that point it was not working to yeah. bring Liam Cohen back after that one year sent with the Rams how do you feel like his return has been and has anything surprised you with how they've attacked offensively so far this year um, it's been huge. I think first off, just from a mental standpoint for some of these offensive players, I think he's just a better fit and it's nothing against Rich Scangarello, the person. I just think Rich is an NFL guy through and through and Liam has NFL experience, but he also had that experience, you know, at UMass where he played and then at Maine and, you know, not the top notch experience, but experience with college uh, athletes where Rich is just an NFL guy through and through. He brought up the NFL every press conference. It was like you could kind of tell he was trying to use this job to get back into the league. So I think, first of all, that's 
and Liam Cohen recruited the offense. So, I mean, <laughs> there are a lot like Dane Key, Barry on Brown were all Liam Cohen guys. So I, I think there was just a sense of calmness when he walked back in the door and like, okay, we got our guy back. So that's the first thing. And two, they're just more creative with Liam Cohen. I think the thing that with Rich Scangarillo, I mean, you can't really blame him for the offensive line issues, but the thing you could blame him for last year was the predictability. I mean, I can't tell you how many times uh, in the press box, a homer away where all of us in the media are like, here comes the wide receiver screen. And like, it was just a very predictable offense. And this year there's more balance to it. And even when you know they're going to run the ball, they can do inside zone, they can do outside zone, they move things around, they're multiples. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing with Liam Cohen. And uh, I, I wouldn't say much as surprise me it's it's similar to 2011 or 21 where you know they're very balanced and they'll kind of just go off what's working uh the thing that is surprising and i'm sure we'll get to him is ray davis uh going into the year we i mean obviously he was one of four rushers in the sec to go over a thousand and he gashed kentucky uh as a commodore but uh the thought was kind of like they were going to platoon their backs a little bit you know mix things up and you know Ray Davis just came in and he established himself as the top dog and they've been running the ball maybe maybe even more than we thought they would going into the year because it was kind of the strength of this offense was at least on paper you know the receivers that were coming back and then Devin Leary being um, you know a guy who did a lot of good things at NC State throwing the ball so the thought was they were going to be pass heavy and then mixed in the run and use all their running backs and that's not a knock on the other running backs they have but Ray Davis has been so good he's just become the guy in the backfield that they give it to on all three downs and you know I wouldn't I'd have to look at the numbers to see what they are between run and pass they've been pretty balanced until last week uh, but the fact that they have become just <laughs> a one-back show uh, was not something any of us uh, were kind of anticipating going into the year. Well, let's talk a little bit about Ray Davis. What in what you've seen, Aaron, stands out to you about him? And what's allowed him to play as well as he had? You know, obviously had a big game last week against Florida. Yeah. What is uh, Ray Davis's strengths when it comes to when he's got the ball? I think the first thing is vision. I mean, he kind of sees holes that form that maybe from the all 22 view, we all get upstairs. You don't see necessarily. Um, and he hits those holes. He sees it uh, really. He's a quick processor and he does a really good job at finding those holes and he's strong. I mean, he's not necessarily a burner, but he, I, I want to say I, it was like 189 of his 280 yards came after contact last week, uh, something around that. So he's a guy that will, you know, once he makes a guy miss or he's able to shed off somebody, uh, he's going to keep going. He's not going to go down that first contact. And that's kind of similar to what Kentucky's had the last six years between Benny Snell and Curse Rodriguez, uh, guys that just don't go down on first contact. So uh, he's, again, he's exceeded all expectations. I mean, he has 11 total touchdowns, and that's the other thing with him. Um, I'm not sure how much Vandy used him in the passing game. I know it was only like 150 receiving yards. Um, this year, Kentucky is using him in the receiving game. And yeah, some of those are check downs. I mean, he had a 58 yard receiving touchdown on a broken play that Devin Leary was basically on the ground. He's able to spit it out to him. And Davis is able to cut it upfield for a 58 yard touchdown against Akron. Um, but they also threw threw to him deep on a wheel route uh, earlier in the year and scored a touchdown that way. He's a guy that's making an impact in the receiving game. And then last week, they, you know, they throw a screen pass to him and he's able to move guys um i mean he got hit at the five yard line and he was basically just pushing guys on his back till he got some help from the offensive lineman to push him into the end zone so he's just been more dynamic he's been 
uh, again, just more sturdy. I, I did not expect him to be the 25 carry guy, just given some of the depth Kentucky had at running back. Um, but he's done it all for this offense. He's been uh, everything and more that they could have asked for. I mean, he's averaging almost eight yards a carry. It's just, it's insane what he's done so far. So let's talk a little bit about Devin Leary. He was a guy that yeah. I was really interested in coming into the conference from NC State. Had been banged up a little bit during his time yeah. uh, with the Wolfpack. But what are your impressions of how he's played so far? What do you feel like have been his strengths? And what are some of the areas you feel like he needs to improve going forward? Yeah, I'd put I'd label him as inconsistent so far. And I think, you know, you try to give him a you met you hit it with him being banged up. He had the fibula injury. I believe it was the fibula last year that knocked him out halfway through the season. And, you know, first couple of weeks hadn't played football in 11 months. So I'm going to have a little bit of patience, but then, you know, the performance last week was a little concerning, but you know, when he's been right, he's been very efficient. I mean, he's hitting on, uh, he, you know, he's putting balls in the right spot. I mean, I think in the second half of the first two weeks of the year, he only had like four incompletions combined. He kind of started slow and finished strong. Um, and then it, it, he's just, when he's on, he's able to hit really from anywhere. His average depth of target uh, is over 10 yards. So he's throwing it deep and he's effective that way. I mean, against Vanderbilt, he hit some really impressive deep throws to Barry on Brown and one to Dane Key. Um, but there's been some just mi simple misfires. I mean, there have been plays where it looks like receivers have separation and he's missing them high or he's his arm slot and he's he kind of side arms a little bit when he sees he has the lane and those passes have ended up a little um, – a little low and been tipped to the line of scrimmage. So uh, I, I just label it as inconsistent as a passer. The one thing that he has been consistently good at, uh, I think that's probably been the biggest strength of his game and the biggest reason Kentucky, you know, is able to kind of survive his ups and downs is he's really good in the pocket um, at avoiding pressure or getting out of pressure. I mean, the four sacks I mentioned, some of that, you obviously give a lot of credit to the guys up front, but some of those, man, Devin Leary, is getting out of plays where it looks like he's on the ground. I mentioned the one against Acker and he had a play against Vanderbilt where he's under all types of duress and he's able to escape the pocket and run for a first down for 22 yards on third and long. So, you know, it's not a guy, he's not <laughs> like Will Levis was two years ago where he could really run out of the pocket. If you let him and make plays down the field, um, break tackles and all that, but he's a guy who's elusive. He's a guy that doesn't go down um easily unless you know there's a free rusher or he just gets overpowered uh he has not been going down so i think there's still been some good on tape from devin leary i don't think it's all been bad um but there's no doubt about it he needs to be closer to the guy he was at nc state that threw for 35 touchdowns five picks uh in 21 he entered 2022 as the preseason um ACC player of the year. Um, that talent is still in there somewhere. Uh, I don't think that for any quarterback that has it, it just goes away, but uh, they need him to be more consistent. There's no doubt about it. Mentioning Devin Leary in the pocket, that's going to be something to watch for Georgia on Saturday. They've struggled a little bit when it comes to pass, pass rush and getting home, and it sounds like Devin is not going to make that easy. No. Uh, Aaron, tell me a little bit about some of the other playmakers on offense, the names that Georgia fans should know, and what they sort of bring to the table on this Wildcats offense. Yeah, so it's interesting. Kind of, It's a perfect segue because with Devin Leary, 11% of his passes that have gone incomplete have been drops. So Dane Key and Barry on Brown, who were really good as freshmen last year, Barry on uh, broke the program's receiving yard for a freshman record and reception record all freshmen, and then Dane Key broke the freshman touchdown record. So those two guys were excellent last year, and both of them have kind of 
gone through that sophomore slump that you see both in the NFL and here in college. And not that they've been bad. I mean, Barry on Brown still has 251 yards. I mentioned the Vanderbilt game. He had a 55-yard catch down the field, a 37-yard catch down the field. And as a returner, if you give him a chance, he could make something happen. He has two touchdowns in his short career, one this year. So it hasn't been bad. And then Dane Key has two touchdowns. He had a really nice catch in the end zone uh, on a back shoulder fade against Vanderbilt. So hasn't been all bad, but the, both guys have four drops apiece, and they need better and more consistent play from those two guys if they want to go where they want to go. Um, then the guy who's been steady has been Tavion Robinson, um, the transfer from Virginia Tech a year ago, kind of played really well against non-conference opponents, struggled in SEC play, did not get along with Rich Scangarillo, voiced that on social media, had like an unofficial suspension in the last game against Louisville. So, uh, you know, they, the coaching staff really challenged him to – bring it on and off the field and he's done it so far he doesn't have any drops uh 19 catches 308 yards and three touchdowns so he's kind of been the steady guy uh for Devin Leary in that wide receiver room and then at tight end you know they're really talented with Jordan Dingle uh Brendan Bates and Josh Caddis but um they haven't really got them that much involved in the passing game more so in the blocking game though Dingle is over 100 yards um on the season so I, I think the 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 kicker with this game Tavion and Barry on Tavion Robinson and Barry on Brown both came out of the game against Florida. Now uh, a little banged up. Now the score might've had something to say about it. Uh, I heard Tavion did not practice yesterday for what it's worth. Unlike I see Kirby provides injury reports. It feels like everyone's rep- uh, Mark Stoops doesn't do injury updates. He says, we'll see. Uh, he is not giving anything away, but from my reporting, I heard that Tavion didn't practice yesterday uh, and Barry on was limited. So we'll see what that means. I think, know that both guys uh mark kind of said they could have gone back in you know if they had to so maybe they're just taking it easy with tavion and barry on and they, they they're gonna play him but if they don't play um anthony brown stevens a freshman who really did a good job during fall camp and did a good job even in spring ball um is a guy i would expect to see he had a 64 yard touchdown against akron that was actually uh, taken off the board for a holding up on the line of scrimmage. And then Dekel Crowdis, who doesn't have a catch yet this year, is a guy, a former four-star guy that has a lot of speed. Um, he had a 50-yard catch down the field against Mississippi State last year, but they haven't really gotten him all that much involved yet this year. So if those two guys can't go for whatever reason, uh, those are the two that I expect to sub in. You mentioned the injury reports. Kirby, Kirby's not much better. A lot of it is a yeah. lot. We're, we're hopeful and we'll see. So, uh, you know, it, it may be a step above yeah. Mark, but it's not much. Yeah. It ain't much. I mean, Mark doesn't even like, he won't tell you any. Like, I, I've seen, I'm, I've been impressed with some of the injury reports from other places. I saw Billy Napier puts his on the bottom of the depth chart. Uh, Clark Lee over at Vandy will start a press conference with that. And I know the Big Ten mandated it. So I'm hoping for all of us writers' sake, uh, we can get injury reports in college football and make our lives a hell of a lot easier. No doubt about that. Uh, Aaron, <laughs> earlier on, you you named some of the guys on defense and some of the yeah. players that stood out. What are the strengths of this defense? And where are some of those weaknesses that you're really going to be watching on Saturday when it comes to this matchup? I mean, it starts with stopping the run. They've been really, really good at stopping the run. They're really stingy. I think they're only averaging I, – I would love to see what the yards per carry against them. I know it's – you know, they're only averaging like 77 yards allowed per game on the ground. I mean, Florida 
their biggest strength is obviously those two running backs with Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson. Those guys were held to a combined 69 yards last week. I mean, that's the type of thing that Kentucky's done consistently really for the last couple of years, uh, stopping the run. But uh, last year, they kind of struggled later in the year, stopping the run. That number got inflated. It was something they put a huge emphasis on in the offseason to tightening up, and they've done that. Uh, and the other two things that they've really improved upon uh, from last year is getting home to the quarterback. Um, last year, I think they only had 20 sacks all year. Uh, I don't know where that ranked in the SEC. I think it was last, but if not, it was close to it. They have 14 already this year. So that number uh, is going to be well above what they finished at last year. And that's um, Trevin Wallace has four. Deion Walker, who I mentioned with two and a half, and then a bunch of other guys with one and a half. Or J.J. Weaver has two. Uh, Darian Henry Young. So there are a lot of different guys chipping into that. Um, so really – uh, impressive there. And then the other thing is they've created a lot more turnovers. That was an issue last year. I forgot what they finished with um, as far as turnovers last year, but this year they're up to, I believe, nine, eight or nine, um, five interceptions. I think it's eight, five interceptions, three, four fumbles recovered. So uh, they've done a really good job uh, causing havoc uh, really so far this season. As far as areas of weakness, I'd say the biggest thing is they're still giving up some passing yards. Uh, they've given up a couple chunk plays. I mean, last week they got beat deep. Uh, one by Caleb Douglas, which uh, it was tough. I mean, Andrew Phillips was probably a step behind Douglas, but Douglas did go up and make a really good play on the football that sometimes you got to tip your cap to. And then Ricky Pierce all definitely cooked them on one uh, for a touchdown in the third quarter. But overall, uh, for the most part, they've done a good job. But when they have allowed passes, keeping it in front of them, there's not many, uh, not many yards after catch. It's more so if they get beat deep, it's just getting beat and, you know, high pointing the football or whatnot so you know that's an area they want to tighten up it's a young secondary both maxwell harrison and andrew phillips the starting corners are first year starters um phillips started in the nickel this is his first year starting outside and then sometimes they'll move phillips back into the nickel they'll play jordan robinson who's a uh former division two transfer who pretty much redshirted his last year at kentucky uh, last year at Kentucky to get used to the SEC level. Um, he's gotten beat a little bit, you know, when he's been in there, but, you know, that's to be expected. So he might be a guy uh, Georgia opts to pick on. And then at safety, they've been pretty strong. But again, uh, sometimes they'll let some catches uh, be make that play in front of them. So I am interested to see what their plan is <laughs> for Brock Bowers. I don't know if you got to see the quotes from Mark Stoops. Uh, he, Compared him to Gronk, who he was with at Arizona uh, back in the you know late 2000, uh, 2000s or early 2000 teens, whatever uh, that's even called. And then uh, he's he had that quote where he's like, you know, Brock's going to get his. It's like Michael Jordan. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of high praise. Uh, I know last year Kentucky actually did a pretty good job with Bowers uh, comparatively to the rest of the country. So I'm sure this is a game that uh, number 19 has circled. <laughs> um but uh, it, I'm interested to see if they're going to move Andrew Phillips and kind of have him shadow uh, Bowers and then trust Jordan Robinson on the outside. So uh, that that's the matchup I'm, I'm a little concerned. I would be concerned about if I'm a Kentucky fan or a Kentucky coach is just that can my DBs, uh, my young DBs who make good plays on the ball, have done a lot of good things tackling, can they do enough to eliminate some of the catches that – can turn into scores with some of the athleticism Georgia has, but they, I will say it, it is a little different with Georgia having two guys that Kentucky's played a lot in the past um, with Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, that's the one matchup I think is probably the biggest concern for Kentucky's defense, especially the way Carson Beck is throwing the ball down the field. Definitely. Definitely. 
we will take a quick break, come back, talk a little bit more specifically about this game and what we're expecting to see on Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back, everybody. Well, Aaron, you mentioned some of the conversations so far this week, but what have the other conversations been from Mark Stoops, from the players about this matchup and uh, just sort of uh, their mindsets as they get ready for this game in Athens? Yeah, I think it's a lot of focusing on the controllables and focusing on themselves. I think everyone, everyone in that building knows how good Georgia is, knows the immense talent that's on that roster. And I don't think they're going to come out and say some of the things that Georgia struggled with (laughs) because they don't want anything going back to the best motivator in college football, Kirby Smart. But um, they, I would, I would label as a quiet confidence. I think they're really happy with what they're building this year, uh, especially after last year where there were issues kind of for the first time in a while here in the locker room with chemistry, uh, with, you know, motivation. Um, Some of that I think was last year was kind of the first year Kentucky had expectations. They were picked to finish second in the East at media days. They got a little high headed about it. So I think this year has all kind of been about getting back to the Kentucky that, you know, has been the top, really the top challenger in the SEC East a couple times for Georgia in 2021, 2018. Um, They're just trying to get back to what they built this program on, which is being, um, blue collar, hardworking, um, extremely motivated at all times. So it's been a lot of self-talk, a lot of coach speak, uh, if we're being honest. But I think uh, the one thing that did stand out to me was yesterday with um, we get the offensive guys on Tuesday, we get the defensive guys Wednesday. So we haven't, we'll talk to the defensive side tonight. But uh, offensively, Liam Cohen, I thought, had some interesting points. He was you know, asked about – he was obviously the offensive coordinator in 21 uh, the last time Kentucky went to – to Athens and that was probably the best defense of all these great Georgia defenses um you know so far uh the 21 one and he was kind of asked like what he learned from that and he said kind of maybe you got to let it go and take your chances a little more I mean they were being extra cautious um he, he pretty much just being conservative scared to make mistakes he said you know maybe you just got to let it rip a little bit see uh what you can do and you know at the end of the day, he didn't say this, but I, I'm sure that's the thought that everyone has is at the end of the day, no one's picking Kentucky to win this game. If they lose this game, I don't think it's going to no one's going to think of them less or more. If you win, it's an amazing opportunity to put yourselves on the map. If you lose, it's you know kind of the expected result and you get back to work and get ready for Missouri next week. Uh, but so he talked about 
a lot how maybe they were a little too conservative the last time they went to Georgia. Maybe this time uh, they need to take their chances a little more. So that was really the only thing that stood out to me about this matchup that the coaches have said. I mean, we said in the first segment there uh, some of the quotes that Mark Stoops said about Brock Bowers, but um, we'll see what Brad White, the defensive coordinator, has to say about Georgia's offense tonight. But uh, I, th- I think there is a quiet confidence. There is a uh, a good focus level. This team, you could definitely tell when you talk to some of their players and coaches compared to a year ago, is more confident, is more focused than they were a year ago. So, you know, they're doing everything they can. This is obviously the biggest challenge in the sport right now. When you look to Saturday night's matchup, Aaron, what do you feel like has to go right for Kentucky to have a chance to win this game? And if you want to throw a score prediction in there, by all means, go for it. I think it starts with starting fast and kind of exploiting Georgia's struggles early in games this year, right? I think, what is it? Georgia's 17-17 in the first quarter. Is that right? So Kentucky, the last two games, has taken a 21-0 lead and 16-0 lead in the first quarter, and they've outscored opponents 47-0 before they've put any points on the board. So if Kentucky were to do something like that, I think they have a defense that can hold Georgia off compared to South Carolina, who has a terrible defense, and it kind of cracked in the second half. Um, so that that's the that's the one easy way to do it. I think that's way easier said than done, especially because like we were talking about, it's going to be a night crowd um, out there. It's going to be a really tough atmosphere. So a fast start is the first way. And two, uh, you got to make this game low scoring. <laughs> this can't be uh, Kentucky has scored points obviously this season, but you know, you look at their 45 point output against Vanderbilt, they had two defensive touchdowns in there. You look at their, um, 30 uh 44 point output against ball state they had a special teams touchdown and a defensive touchdown in there so you know their offense is scoring about 30 points a game at best uh georgia's offense you know obviously they were held to 27 and 24 right in sec play so far but i still think they have the ability to put points on the board obviously i think the way that carson beck is stretching the field uh is something that kentucky hasn't dealt with yet this season so um i think the key is to either have a game like you had last year where it's really low scoring and Kentucky's offense is good enough this year to put enough points on the board to compete um, or getting off to that fast start and bearing them. So I'm not going to predict the Kentucky win. I think it's going to be, I think they cover the spread type thing. I think like a 27, 17 uh, type score is probably where I'm looking at this point. Um, but I, I do think this has the potential kind of, it has the potential to kind of be like the games Georgia's had so far this season where it's really tight in that first half, maybe even into the third quarter. Uh, and you've got a game that can be really interesting going into the fourth, but I will say, I do think, uh, this is the best team, obviously Kentucky's played, but I think this is by far the best team, uh, Georgia has played yet this season. So, uh, will this be the day that Georgia breaks out? Very well could, they could break out and beat anyone by a lot, but, uh, I do think this, just looking at what Auburn and South Carolina, and, you know, credit to how they played Georgia, but just looking at the whole picture, looking at those rosters and watching some of their games, I do think this is Georgia's biggest challenge yet, um, as well. So I am interested to see how they come out. Definitely. And one thing you hit on, I'm very interested in what time of possession looks like. It seems mm-hmm. like in some of those games, really that South Carolina game, just didn't feel like Georgia had a lot of drives in that first half. And right. Mark Stoops has been very good at milking <laughs> the clock, working that clock, using it yeah. against Georgia in these past few games. Yeah, that is interesting. And I think <laughs> the new clock rules kind of took Stoops and the staff aback uh, the first couple weeks because they, I mean, I don't know what it was exactly, but 
they lost the time of possession battle by a lot to Ball State. And part of that was because they scored really quick on offense. And then, uh, they, like I said, they had the defensive touchdown, they had the special teams touchdown. Uh, but EKU milked the clock against them week two, which was by far their worst game so far this season. So uh, time of possession, you know, hasn't necessarily been – great for Kentucky either this season, not like what you you're used to seeing with milking the clock. But part of that too, is when you have defensive touchdowns and special teams touchdowns, like you're not going to complain that the time of possession isn't how you want it. So, but yeah, we've definitely heard the complaint. I know Chip Kelly had kind of the best quote about the clock with uh selling commercials, but we've definitely heard the clock complaints and the time of possession complaints up here so far this season. Yeah, it seems like Kirby's been asked about it a lot. Um, I think you were looking at my notes, Aaron, because I got 28-17. Oh, wow, we're right there. <laughs> right there. I think Kentucky covers, but I, I just don't think that they've quite yeah. got the talent to beat Georgia. I'll, I'll roll out uh, some of the other folks on our board. Ben Wolk's got Georgia 34-10, to and uh, Kip Adams has 30-17. to So a few of us have a, a very competitive game, and I think even if the final score – uh, even if it isn't that close, I think this will be a very tight contest. Again, it's another matchup where I feel like the fact it's at home for Georgia certainly yes. hurts Kentucky's chances of being able to pull this one off. Oh, there's no doubt about it, especially it being at night and where, you know, I, I'm not a huge believer in the game times being that big of a difference, but, you know, there's a little bit of a, a difference when it is Sanford Stadium at night. And also Kentucky has played uh, three noon games, one 11 a.m. out in Vanderbilt, but, you know, three of the noon Eastern time slots this season. Uh, they have played one uh, night game, but that was against Akron. So uh, we'll see how they, you know, kind of go through a day at a hotel uh, try to stay up, get ready for this game. But, yeah, I, I think 28-17. I like your score prediction the best out of those, not because it's the closest, but uh, Kentucky's defense hasn't allowed more than 30 points in a game uh, since the Tennessee game last year, and, and that was the only time all of last year uh, they allowed 30 points in a game, and then this unit obviously hasn't done it yet either. I know they gave up 28 to Vandy, but a lot of those were, you know, two of those scores were in garbage time with the uh, backups on the field. So uh, that's why I, I think if Kentucky uh, – Kentucky can hold them under 30. Um, they'll give themselves a chance to win this game. But I don't think they will. I think that's just the way to give them th themselves a chance. Definitely. Well, Aaron, I really appreciate you popping on and giving us some time. Let us know, uh, you know, anyone listening out there, where they can follow you guys, everything going on, and anything you guys are working on over at the Cat's Paws that uh, they may be interested in. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it's uh, a Gershon 99 at Twitter is always the best spot to find me. Um, as you know, Cat's Paws 247 site, we're always, you know, covering both teams while basketball kind of ramping up here too. So it's kind of that crossover season where there'll be a lot of coverage from both sports. And then locally, uh, Cat's Paws magazine biweekly here uh, is going, you know, during the seasons uh, is biweekly. It's every six weeks during the off season for basketball, football. And then the basketball yearbook just got released. The football yearbook's still there. Might be a good year to have that football yearbook with, uh, you know, even if they lose this game, uh, the last two times they started 5-0, and uh, they finished with 10 wins. So um, it, it, it's, it should be a better athletic season uh, here in Lexington uh, than the one they had uh, last year between the basketball team having a rough go and then the football team uh, taking a little bit of a step back. So uh, I appreciate anyone uh, checking out our stuff as always. 
We will wrap it up right there again. Thanks to Aaron for popping on. Appreciate everyone who is watching this live, everyone who is listening to it after the fact. Be sure, if you haven't already, go to dogs247.com. Got a VIP sale right now, two months for only a dollar. So go make sure and sign up for that while you can. Dogs247 on YouTube. Go subscribe. If you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe, rate, review, let us know what you think. Let uh, all your Georgia fans uh, in your life, let them know about this podcast. Make sure they check it out. So for Aaron Gershon, I am Jordan Hill. Until next time, take care, everybody. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.